0: Good morning, um, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. We begin our last chapter uh, here in our study on the Sermon on the Mount. I just want to stay right away, um, me and Brother Josh uh, yesterday went to a preaching conference up in Greenbrier and uh, it was such a blessing to just, it was a, a time of, of hearing sermons, of critiquing sermons, of sitting around looking at scripture. Figuring out how we would break that down into a sermon, and uh, with about twenty uh, with about twenty pastors, and I was renewed in in the privilege of what we get to do as pastors uh, of preaching to to stand and to proclaim God's word as amazed, as as awesome and scary as it is. What a pleasure it is to get to preach so I would just say to you as a church that I thank you uh, for that privilege. I thank you for being here uh, to hear the Word of God uh, proclaimed. It is, uh, it is a beautiful thing uh, that we get to open the Word of God uh, together. It's an interesting verse we're looking at this morning. It, uh, it has an amazing ability. Uh, and that ability is to turn the most vile sinner into a Bible thumper. It has the ability to uh, take someone who doesn't give a rip about the authority of Scripture and what Scripture says and suddenly (coughs) care a great deal about what the Bible says. The interesting thing is they're usually only interested in the first two words. Uh, And those words are Judge not. Two words out of over a hundred that are giving a statement about judgment and the judgment that we as Christians should use and how we should use judgment. But I would say to you this morning, this is not some simple prohibition against making judgments. What we're dealing with here is a caution against certain types of judgment especially rash judgment and then we have a process laid out a process laid out of how to make sure that we are a good judge that we are a humble judge and that's the kind of judge that god is looking for us to be starting with verse one i apologize there is no powerpoint this morning um Starting with verse 1, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, When there is the log in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Let's have a word of prayer. God, as we approach a subject that is difficult God, that we are tempted at times to be sinful judges, rash, quick to judgment, wanting to point out the wrong in others. God, there's also a righteous judgment that we should all seek to have, that we should all seek to be engaged in, first in judging ourselves, and then in judging others. God, help us to look at how we judge and to be sure to make all the necessary changes to make sure that our judgments line up with the Word of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I do want to say, uh, you if this sounds familiar like we've been here before, uh, last year we went through a series called The Most Misused uh, Bible Verses. And so we did cover this, but I've taken great care to try to make sure that we're not rehashing what we already talked about. Because I know you all remember I know you remember every detail uh, of that sermon. I've taken great care to make sure we're not rehashing what we've already talked about or, uh, or at least making sure that we're expounding more what we've already talked about. I think the main point that we're looking at this morning is do not be a rash judge, but, a, but be a judge who humbly seeks to help a fellow sinner be relieved of the burden of sin. The first first thing I want us to do is kind of leave our text for a moment uh, and kind of look at judgment uh, as it uh, appears throughout the Scriptures. Um, And then we'll come back and look at the process of judgment laid out for here when it comes to the speck and the log. So here are some incorrect interpretations of the Scripture uh, that some say that Christians should maintain peace at all costs with a live and let live attitude, with, an, with, a, with the attitude of live and let live, that I'm never in any way supposed to point out wrong in someone else's life because it's their life and I need to mind my own business. Some people say that Christians should, because of this verse, Christians should never defend themselves in courts of law. Now, the Scripture does give us some instruction about, uh, about especially taking another believer to court and things like that. But we see that the Scripture recognizes earthly authority and earthly uh, judges and things like that and magistrates. Some say that Christians should never make judgments in any way. Some have even gone so far as to use this verse to say, hey, a Christian shouldn't be a cop because cops at times have to make judgments. They have to go put down evil. And so Christians shouldn't be judgments. Uh, to, to, to be cops and or, or to do judgment in any way, and I would say those interpretations of this text are absolutely hogwash. It's true that Jesus says, Judge not here, but we do not even have to leave this chapter of scripture before we see that we are called to judgment. We are called to judge. Verse fifteen and uh, in chapter 7 says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. In this very chapter where Jesus says, judge not, He says you need to look at false teachers. And you need to look at the fruit of their life. You need to look at the fruit of their teaching. And you need to judge whether or not they are a false teacher or not. Whether or not they're a sheep or a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's clearly judgment. Not only that, we do not, have to, not only have to leave this chapter of the Bible to see God calling us to judgment. We don't even have to leave our text. We'll look at the end of, uh, of, our, of the sermon today. This last verse, verse 6, it says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. I don't know about you, but if I'm to determine that someone is a dog, or someone is a pig, that I need to to, to pay pay careful attention to, I think judgment has happened. I don't think there's any way to, to... to decide someone's a pig or a, or a hog without making some type, type of judgment. And there are other places in Scripture that we are just clearly called to judge. John, uh, uh, John 1 and 2 um, says, do not judge by appearance, but judge. I'm sorry, John 7 uh, verse 22, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So he say, judge with right judgment. Make a judgment. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 15, the spiritual person judges all things. He judges all things. The godly, the spiritual person. And so if he says, judge not here... And we find throughout Scripture at other times He says to judge, could it be, could it possibly maybe be that all judgments are not created the same? That there is a right way to judge and that there is a wrong way to judge. And so I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list of of the way the Bible says you can judge and how not to judge. I'm going to give you Uh, you know, if you want to study out yourself, I'll give you a start to that study. Some judgments that are allowed by Scripture. Making judgments concerning good from evil. Hebrews 5.14 says, uh, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. When you see the scriptures talk about discernment, what it's talking about is just good judgment. Uh, just being able, to, like this verse says, to be able to distinguish what is good from evil. And also kind of along those lines, we make judgment concerning about what is according to God's will. Romans twelve two says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I, I think it's interesting that I mean these two verses both point out this is the nature of a mature Christian is someone who judges well, who, have, who has great discernment on what is good and what is evil, what is according to God's will, and what is against God's will. And if through spiritual discernment, governed by the Word of God, we determine something to be against the will of God, we have no wiggle room. If we determine that killing babies in the womb displeases God, we have no room to surrender that if we determine that God's plan is one man and one woman when it comes to marriage, we can't abandon that judgment even when the cultural heat gets turned on. As a Christian who follows God living in this world, we're called to tell the world this is what God says. He says to do this. He says not to do this. Now, We should hold our positions with humility. We should try, even those that we believe are disobeying the will of God, we should treat them with as much love and respect and sympathy as we can. But we are called by scriptures to judge what is good and what is evil. I think about Tim Keller you're not familiar with Tim Keller, he's a preacher in New York. And, and while he is a, a man of biblical principle, of a man that, uh, that holds uh, the truth of the scriptures, he's a man that is so good at holding it in a humble way and engaging a culture that thinks that his views are wrong, but at the same time, He's very good at just being sympathetic and loving and kind in the way he presents himself to that culture. Last week, uh, Princeton Divinity School, they were going to honor Tim Keller, and uh, at the last minute, they pulled it because people were raving mad because Tim Keller holds to a traditional view of marriage. And so let's not, let's not pretend ourselves that if we're simply humble... And somehow the world's going to accept everything we have to say. I mean, there's going to come a time when the cultural heat keeps getting turned up on us that simply holding these truths, we're going to be considered terrible, horrible people no matter how much kindness we show. But that's fine because God has called us to make judgments concerning what is good and what is evil, what is according to His will, what is against his will next we are called to judge one another inside the church the clearest example of this is the corinthian church when there was a man guilty of unrepentant sexual sin a vile sin and paul said the guy needs to go 1 Corinthians 5, to elf, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? It is not those inside, the, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside, purge the evil person from among you. Church discipline, that's judgment. That's saying you are not, you are unrepentant and you are living outside of God's Will, and we must call that what it is. And we're called to re- obviously not just to judge each other, but to restore one another. Galatians 6 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you are spiritual, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Make no mistake, there is no restoration of a believer without at first a judgment of that believer. A judgment that you have done something where you need to be restored. We're called to judge doctrine to see if it is of God or Satan. First and second John talk a lot about this. First John 4 1 says, beloved do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So judge the teaching. Of te- those who proclaim to be teachers of God. Real quick, here, here is a judgment that's forbidden by the Scriptures. Hypocritical judgment. This is judging others uh, when you have a glaring, unrepentant sin in your own life. I would say in particular in an area where you're trying to judge that person. You know, we, we all, what do we say? The pot calling the kettle black. When it comes to Christian judgment, we need to make sure that that is not the case in our life. Uh, we're, we'll get into the illustration in a moment that Jesus uses of, of, of someone who has a, a beam coming out of their eye trying to point out the speck that's in their brother's eye and what a ridiculous picture that is. Romans 2 is uh, very clear on this subject. It says, In verse 1, therefore you have no excuses, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape, escape the judgment of God? The Bible warns us, be very careful in being a judge when you have no place of judgment because you are doing the very same things. And another judgment that we're not to make is we don't pronounce final judgment. There is judgment saying you are behaving wrongly and then there's a judgment that says, you're going to hell. And I'm making a proclamation because you did this. You are going to hell, no doubt. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying you're saying, I mean, you could say, hey, because of this, it looks like you are a person who's lost and therefore going to hell. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you are pronouncing the judgment, not God. And this is wrong. James 4.12 says this. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? Luke chapter 9, I think, gives a great illustration of, of these types of judgment. Jesus is really he's sending his disciples for the first time to go and proclaim the gospel in different cities. And what he tells them, hey, if, uh, if people welcome you, you may give them the gospel, spend time with them, love them. If they reject you, if they reject the gospel, feel perfectly free to walk out of that town and shake the dust off of your feet as a sign of judgment on them and walk away. But apparently with John and James, it went a little bit to their head because later on, there's a a town that, that, that rejects them and what do they say? Hey, Jesus, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to kill everybody? And all it says is, Jesus rebuked them. There's a difference between shaking your dust off and saying, You know what? I'm going to a town that will see the gospel. That's totally different from saying, Hey, let's call down fire to kill everybody. Jesus is like, one's okay, one's not okay. I call the fire down. I'm the one that deals with that type of judgment. So what I wanna look at now is the actual text and I believe what we see here is the making of a humble and effective judge. And I, I see that by examining the process that it tells us to go through when it comes to the speck and the beam. First, we see a deep examination of the judgment itself. It says in verse 2, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The idea here is that we should never run willy-nilly into the position of a judge. Because once we set ourselves up as judge, we open ourselves up to be judged. Uh, is this not what what happened in uh, in John chapter eight? Um, they bring to Jesus and cast at his feet this woman that they caught in adultery, and and they said, "Hey, the law says she needs to be stoned, so let's let's stone her." Jesus, what well, what do you say? What do you what do you think? You gonna go against the law? And Jesus says, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And he began writing in the ground, and we don't know what he wrote, but we know as the men begin to think about, do I really want to be a judge here? We see that the older men, they were the first ones to drop the stones and leave. And then the younger men thought about it a little more. They dropped the stones and they headed out because they realized that and and I'm sure Jesus had a perception of what was going on in their life and what was going on in their hearts. And when they really turned to looking at themselves as judge, they decided, maybe not. Maybe not. But, but, But even in that instance, does Jesus not turn to the woman? he says to her go and sin no more i mean jesus doesn't doesn't give her an absolute pass and says oh it's okay that you committed adultery he he just says go and sin no more very different from from what these men these men were wanting blood and jesus was wanting grace for this woman Now we need to understand that making a righteous judgment does not require perfection because if we waited to call evil evil, we waited till we were perfect to do that, none of us would, would ever feel right about making a judgment. But we do it with care and, and, and great anguish. Don't rush into it. And we examine the judgment that we're using because, I mean, that's kind of the point of the verse. Hey, be careful with the judgment you use because that's going to come back on you and you need to make sure that you would be comfortable with that kind of judgment, right? It's kind of that golden rule idea, like, like if you're going to judge someone, the judgment you use, would you be comfortable with that judgment being used back at you? And I would say if I'm about to, if I'm examining whether or not I need to pass this judgment, what I want to think through are some things, just some questions. Is this judgment good? Do I have all the facts of the situation? Am I examining things and misinterpreting things? Um, Making sure that, hey, is this really in the Bible? What I'm about to judge someone on. Is this something that's taught by Scripture? Is this just my personal preference? And, and making sure that the judgment I'm making is because I want to benefit the other person. I want to give grace to them. I want to help them. Just examining the judgment itself, itself to make sure that, hey, that's a fair judgment because it's a judgment that I'd be fine with being turned right back on me. And then the, I think the biggest part is an examination of not just the judgment, but of your own self. First of all, Jesus tells us, asks us to see the sin in your own life, to see it. It says in verse 3, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? And here's the cold, hard reality of the fact of that old nature that we still have even as believers. And that is that we are much better at seeing the little sins of others than we are at seeing our own big, gigantic sins. What is glaringly obvious in the life of your spouse will be virtually invisible when you turn and look for that in yourself. Your perception that is clear as a Colorado mountain stream when you look into the life of your child is going to become the muddy Mississippi when you turn those eyes back on yourself. But yet to be a judge is someone who casts their eyes upon themselves. The theologian uh, G.K. Chesterton um, there, were, uh, there was a paper that was run in a series, and they were just wanting to ask influential, in, influential people uh, w- the question, what is wrong with the world? What's wrong with the world? And so they would get all these philosophies from all these different big wigs and, and, and write these huge articles. And so they sent it to, G, uh, to Chesterton, And to answer the question, what is wrong with the world? He simply replied, dear sir, I am. I am. I'm what's wrong with the world. And the greatest and most impactful Christians will not be those who can easily spot the evil that is out there, but those who can see the evil that is right here. In their own hearts, do we not see this in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, where the Pharisee, what does he do? He walks up. He says, "I thank you, God, that I'm not like other sinners." This Pharisee, uh, like this tax collector over here, look at what all I do. And the Pharisee, or I'm sorry, the tax collector, stood at a distance and he couldn't even approach the presence of God and he beat his chest saying have mercy on me a sinner that's someone who's able to make judgments that's someone who's able to point out other things because he's dealing with his own sins as well the second, uh, second of all he doesn't just See the sin in his life. He acts to remove the sin in his own life. Verse 5, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. If you're going to be a judge, take the sin out of your life that you've seen. The humble judge is not the one who just perceives the sin in his own life, but he hates it and he can't stand it and he wants it out of his life. When it comes to being introspective as Christians, it should be an introspection that leads to action. It's not enough to see the problem on an MRI. The next step is to figure out how to fix the problem. To find healing. And I have to say here that when we address sins as Christians, we need to make sure that we don't address it in a moral way where we say, oh, I'm bad, I need to do better, I need to reach down my bootstraps and pull them up and and be better. No, we, we go to the Gospel. We go to the Gospel and we take those sins in the darkness and we pull them out into the light. We pull them before the cross and we say, I thank you for the forgiveness that I have for this sin. And I thank You for the identity You've given me in Christ that, that I can fight against and remove the sin from my life. And through Your Spirit and through the Gospel and what You have done and what You have given me, I can reject the sin from my life. And, and that's how we as Christians deal with sin. Not just do better, but depend on what Christ has done on Calvary. We first look at ourselves. Uh, 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one 31 says, But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. Judge yourself. And look, this is a way of life. This isn't just, a, just something you should. Hey, I see somebody that I, I see something I need to judge on. So I need to go and, and spend a week. Uh, looking at my own sin i need to spend the next week kind of trying to remove that sin no that's not what i'm saying here i'm saying it's a way of life that every day you're in your time with god you're praying god reveal to me the sin that's in my own heart before i go out there and interact with a world that's full of sin it's about when we see that sin we don't become friends with it we don't get used to it but we remove it and we act to remove it every day that we live so that in the moments where we need to help a brother in sin or we need to make some judgment in the world of what's what's evil and what's against the will of God that when it comes from a person that every day every day is addressing their own sin folks just imagine in your very own marriage what would happen your troubled marriage where you're at each other's throats all the time, if you would simply be quicker to see your own sin than to see the sin of your partner, your spouse. That you would be more concerned about removing the sin in your own life than removing the sin in your spouse's life. That's just one example. When all the relationships of your life would be affected, if you would be someone who would be a humble judge who's examining yourself. And lastly, he finally moves to help the brother or sister in sin. The second part of verse 5, after it says, remove the log from your own eye, it says, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You move to help a brother or sister in sin. And yes, that may very well include judgment. It may very well include telling that person you care about that they have done something that is wrong. That they need to change it. But at that point, think about the process of the, and the way that you're living your life. You're someone who's thought about judgment. You've examined your judgment. You were coming with the facts. You were coming with true biblical concerns. You have considered your motive in the issue and you made sure that your motive is love and care for their soul. You have already taken great care to judge yourself. You have been looking for the sin logs in your own life and therefore are coming from a place of, of humility. You've taken yourself off the pedestal and now you're looking at them eye to eye as a sinner to a sinner. And you've also been working to remove those sin logs in your own eye so that you could come to them and say, listen, fighting sin is hard. It's hard to recognize sin. It's even harder to fight it and get that out of your life. I struggle with it every day. And so I want to help you with this sin that you're experiencing. I want to help you as God has helped me through His grace to confront sin in my own life. Don't rush to judgment, but humble yourself and... and, and and you will be someone who can help others with your judgment and not just condemn them. So this verse in verse 6 will close with this that kind of seems out of the blue. And I would say this verse is saying that God has appointed His people to judge. Verse 6, Do not give dogs what is holy, And do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn back to attack you. So how does that fit in with the rest of this text? To me it seems like what's happening here is Jesus is saying, hey, be careful how you judge. Use great care. Remove the sin logs in your own eye before you help others with their sins. But make no mistake you are to be discerning and you are to make judgments. Even very, very strong judgments like this one. And what this is speaking of, there are essentially three ways that people can respond to the Gospel. The first way is you you tell them the Gospel, you tell them what Christ has done, and, and, and they go, this is the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Christ did that for me this is the most valuable beautiful thing I've ever heard and they receive it and they're saved the second type person is one who hears it and and says you know it's not for me I just don't believe that or maybe someone that says you know it, it does make a little sense and I'd love to talk some more, and, and can, we, can we talk some more about it? I'm just not ready. That's the second type person. And then there's a third type person that says, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's foolishness. You believe in a God that judges? You believe that He sent His Son? You believe He walked on water? That's the most... You are crazy. I can't believe you believe that. And that's what this verse is talking about. is someone who would take that beautiful thing of the Gospel and just trample it. Just take that pearl, like a pearl being given to a, a bunch of pigs. They don't know that that's a pearl worth a million dollars. They just trample it in the mud. And Jesus is saying... You might discern the need to just walk away and not let them treat the gospel like that. Now, I want to say we're called to be patient. I mean, God says that we are to be long-suffering. Uh, I mean, God. I mean, the scriptures say that God's long-suffering. If He's long-suffering, then surely we should be. And should we should give people a lot of opportunities to, if if they're willing to listen to hear the gospel? I mean, and 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 there's been instances where people have at first just absolutely rejected the gospel in a very strong way and then later came to receive it I don't think what we're called to do here is something that we common commonly will have to do I mean I mean if you are engaged in sharing the gospel a lot you probably know that people try to be nice about it and so it's not something that we're called to do. But I think God is just—I uh, think what Jesus is doing here is, is is giving the point. Hey, I'm telling you to be careful, but I'm also saying that I'm putting discernment in your heart. As you grow in me, you'll be able to tell sometimes that maybe you need to walk away. I don't want to say here. I want to interject here that that the assumption here is that we will be presenting the gospel. For some of us we never encounter any of these people because we don't share the gospel. Let us be people that run that, that may have to discern these kind of things. Because we're out there giving this great treasure, offering it to people that may reject it and, and may hate it. But but we're doing what we're called to do. I mean, it is, none of us deserve to hear the gospel once. And it may come a time and you decide that this person's received it several times and they hate it, and I'm going to walk away and I'm going to find somebody who will receive this. That's what, that's what Paul did with the Jews. He, he came to a point where he said, man, I'm just going to go with the Gentiles. I'm tired of fighting against people that hate this. And I'm going to go to the Gentiles. So in closing, I want to say this. Christian, where do you hunt for sin? When we live in a world where everybody's ticked off, right? You go on Facebook, everybody's mad about something. This week it's one thing, this w- next week it's something else. But how many of us are, are angry about the sin we find in our own heart? How many of us are engaged in hating the sin that we see in our own hearts and acting to move it? If we'll be that kind of people, we'll be the the kind of people God uses to make good, righteous judgments when those times come. I would say to to you, if you are here and you don't know Jesus, you know, there's a, a favorite tattoo that some people like to get. And it's, uh, it's usually those who are rebellious and just live their lives like they want to. And uh, it's only God can judge me. It's on t-shirts and tattoos. Apart from Christ, that's the most terrifying phrase I could ever think of tattooing on my body or wearing on a t-shirt. apart from Christ I want anybody anybody to judge me except for the holy god and so if you're here and and you don't know Christ you stand under the judgment of god we're not here to tell you how all all the things that are wrong with your life we're not here to judge you in this moment We're here to tell you that there's a God that is above you, authority that has told you a certain way to live your life. And and you're in rebellion. We're all in rebellion. Everyone here at one time was a rebel. And let me tell you something, it is a fearful, fearful thing to fall in the hands of an angry God. but Christ. But that, that that God who is over you as judge is the same God who sent His Son into this world to pay for our sins. That if you would believe in Him, if you would trust in Him, that, that the sacrifice He made would be for you, that, that those sins, that your sins would be upon Him and that He would receive the punishment that you receive. That that you deserve. So that you would no longer have to fear the judgment of God. I'm going to be down here in a few moments. I'd love to talk with you more about that. If you're someone that says, you know, I think I may be under the judgment of God, I'm not even worried about how everybody else judges me. I'm under the judgment of God. I would ask you to come and talk to me, please. And, Christian. Look in your own heart. Look at the judgments you're making. Look at how you're judging the world versus judging your own heart and make the changes that God's called you in your Word to make. Please stand and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank You for Christ. God, just the word judgment apart from the name of Jesus Christ is terrifying. And so God, I thank You for Christ that makes it where that if we trust Him, there is therefore now no condemnation from You. God, thank You for that. And God, I pray that You would help us to be people of boldness, of great bravery when it comes to our judgment we would call what is evil evil and call what is good good but God help us to do so from a place of humility a place from engaging in our own sin engaging in our own junk engaging in killing those things and removing them from our lives so that we could be better fit to help others God, I pray if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, who's under your judgment, I pray that they would flee to Christ this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.